I've been in the mountains for the past uh, week or so, which is awesome. Uh, and, uh, and just, you know, I'm not going to bring the word today, but I brought somebody to bring the word today. So how many of you guys are familiar with Pastor Mike Plain? He's been here before. All right, let me see all of you guys' hands. All right, there's several of you guys who are not uh, because you're newer to our church. We're so glad. And you haven't had the privilege uh, to, to sit under Pastor Mike and his uh, teaching and preaching. Uh, I just want you to, you know, for those of you guys who don't know about Pastor Mike, we've known each other for a long time. Time. Back when I was a youth pastor on staff at a church, we were on staff at a church together for uh, several years, and we've been uh, friends and stayed connected all of these years. And he travels around and he speaks in different churches, and he's really, uh, he was a pastor, but now he's kind of a pastor to pastors, and he speaks into many different churches and many different pastors' lives, and he's been a, a real good friend of mine throughout the years. And uh, one of the things I could say about Mike, I could say a lot of things, uh, but one of the things I'd, I'd say, like to say about Mike, and I think is a real uh, honor and a high compliment that when whenever I talk with him, almost every conversation, he'll say something to me like this. He'll say something like, this is what God is speaking to me. How do you guys know you need some people in your life that don't just talk about politics, that don't just talk about the weather, that don't just talk about the problems, but that say, here is what the Lord is sharing with me, and I'm going to share it with you. And I believe, and I'm so fortunate to have a friend like that and many friends like that, but especially one in Pastor Mike throughout all of these years, and uh, we need that. And I believe that what he's going to share today with you is something that I believe he's heard from God and is a right now word for us. So would you give it up for Pastor Mike as he comes and brings the word this morning. Are we doing that then? <laughs> Just don't hip bump me, all right? How's everybody doing? Good, good. You all doing great? Well, I can go home then. Now I want to encourage you a little bit. You know, um, every time Sean and I talk, I listen. He talked about it, but I listen. Because, you know, um, I believe he's such a man of wisdom. Wisdom beyond his years. And uh, I've learned this through the years to recognize those kinds of, of gifts that God gives the body of Christ and then listen to it. You know, one of the things that the Lord spoke to me earlier this year about when I asked him, you know, through this time, what do you want me to do? And he says, I want you to listen. I want you to listen to me, and I want you to listen to people. And so when, when I have the privilege uh, to be in the, either via the phone or together um, and be around people like uh, Sean and Becca, I listen because I'm, I'm going to hear things. I'm going to hear God. And uh, I, I say this with the, with the utmost sincerity. I'm so glad that you guys are in my life and I'm in your life. I'm glad that we get to do life together. We're doing ministry together. And, uh, you know, we joke around a lot and everything. And, but uh, that's all part of it, you know. Um, but I'm so glad we get to do life together. It's a blessing. One of the greatest gifts that you can have in life is relationships. The greatest gift in life that we have is a relationship with Jesus. And then he so uh, abundantly... Uh, blesses us with these relationships here in, in this space of time and, and geography. And uh, I've learned that the relationships here are invaluable, you know? So anyway, uh, look around the room. There's a lot of relationships here. and Just value those, all right? 
I, I think uh, you gave me an idea. I think I'm going to write a message this week, and he's better than that, or he's more than that. Would you, how'd you say it? He's, he's better than you think. That's so true, because so many times we, you know, we, we allow the, the current circumstances and situations to really, uh, I think, sometimes put the limits on how, what we think God can do. And he's, he's more than that. He's better than that. He's, he's gooder than that. All right? My wife would get, she's a language arts teacher, so she would tell me, you can't use gooder. It gets a point across, though, right? He is gooder than that. And, uh, you know, 2020 has been an interesting year, hasn't it? It's been about nine years long now. And so, uh, but it's been an interesting year. But, but I want to share with you some things this morning um, that I think will encourage you and will help you. Um, because here, here's, what I'm, <laughs> here's one of the things I'm hearing that people are going, I can't wait for January 1st. 2021. Well, what makes you think anything's going to be different? What if it isn't different? I mean, just because it's a calendar demark, it doesn't mean that, you know, there's something magical that happens. But I believe that there is something supernatural that's going to happen. I don't think there's anything magical that's going to happen, but I do believe that there is something supernatural that's going to happen. We, we need some things to change. This year, as I look at it, and I'm, I'm not saying this in the sense that I relished you know, COVID-19 and all those things. I didn't by, by any means. But I also have learned that either in times like this, you're either going to have the, in, the, the mindset of, am I going to get through this? I'm just going to get through this, or I'm going to grow through this. And I'm determined I'm going to grow through this. I'm going to learn some things through this. And uh, so that I can carry it forward into my life into, and, into, and encourage other people uh, in their lives as I get the opportunity. But uh, I, I really do believe, because see, <clears throat> what has happened through the last decade, at least the last decade or so, is that the, the church, the, the body of Christ has become more uh, formed by the culture than they have heaven. The church has become more formed by the culture. And the Lord spoke to me the first week of January of this year in a time of prayer, and he said this to me, he said, 2020 will be the year of recentering through uncommon opportunities. And when he said that to me, I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's interesting. Going to be a year of recentering through uncommon opportunities. And then March 1st rolled around. And lo and behold, then I got an epiphany. Then I understood what the Lord was saying, that this was going to be an uncommon year. But that God didn't cause it, but God is going to use it to recenter some things into his desire, into his plan, and into our lives. Because we had gotten off center. Or I say it this way, because the world, uh, the culture of the world has done a better job of forming the church. But it's caused us to be deformed to the purposes and plans and desires of God. Now, we didn't intently do this, but it's happened. And so God is wanting to recenter this or, you know, you look at it this way. So we've been formed by the culture, which causes us to be deformed to really the, the, the desire of heaven. And so what God wants to do is bring a reform, a reformation into our midst. 
And so I, I really believe those are some of the things that God's going to do this year. And uh, not only this year, but in the times to come. That there is going to be a recentering, that God's going to change some things. And, and I think some of it's going to be so significant that it will be undeniable that it's God. No, no man's going to be able to take credit for it. No, no minister, no pastor is going to be able to take credit for it. No prophet's going to be able to take credit. No politician's going to be able to take credit for it. It'll be at such a magnitude and such, a, such an impact that, the, that, the, that even the unbelievers will say, that, that, that must have been God. That had to have been God. The Bible says that God can change a nation in a day. God can change a nation in a day. You say, well, that was back then. Well, it's the same God, right? He hasn't changed. Same God. He can change a nation in a day. And so I'm a, I have a, a high expectation. So it was a couple of weeks ago, I was working with a church over in Illinois, about an hour and a half from my home. I was doing some consulting uh, with him for a couple of days, and I was driving back and forth. And one of the days I was driving over there, I'm on the interstate, and I pass this truck, this this tractor trailer, this semi, and I happen to look over, and and on the side of the truck it says this: "Upload Hope." I'm thinking, "Oh, that's good," and it caught me. It, it kind of caught my spirit. Upload Hope, and I thought, "Oh man, there's a message there, Lord." There's a message there. And then the next thing I heard in my spirit, I saw this upload hope, and I heard in my spirit, I felt as if the Lord spoke to me. He said, expect the best. So that's what this message is about, uploading hope and expecting the best. Now, before you can upload something, you have to what? you got to download something. So I want to talk to you today about what are you downloading into your life? Because, see, the culture and the times are trying to download fear and chaos, and instability, and division into our lives. But God's saying there's something by the Spirit of God that he's wanting to download into our lives. Why? Because our culture right now, our society right now, needs some hope uploaded to it. And we are to be the bearers of the hope, the hope, the great hope, Christ Jesus, that our society needs so bad, so badly they need it. Why? Because they're in despair. People are angry right now. Dear Lord, they're uptight. You know, you go to Walmart, and I, I, one day I went down the wrong aisle with the wrong arrows. You got to see the looks I got. It's like, you went the wrong way. You know? It's like, I don't know, I was waiting for the Walmart police to come get me because I like went down the wrong way, one-way thing the wrong way, you know? People are just uptight. I was in Costco, and there was this guy looking for rubbing alcohol. I was getting a prescription, and pharmacists come around to helping. The guy starts yelling at him, stay back, stay back, stay back. I'm thinking, dude, you're way, way too uptight to be in Costco. There's like three or four hundred other people in here, buddy. If you're that uptight, you need to go home and get on Amazon and order your rubbing alcohol. <laughs> but it just told me, because the Lord told me, listen. Listen, and it just told me that the, the fear and the frustration that people are in. 
And they're losing sight of something. Even Christians, as, as I'm traveling and everything, I'm just hearing even Christians, they're, they're losing their perspective. They're, they're, they're losing their anchor. It's like they're detaching themselves from, the, from the, the, the faith and the hope and the understanding in their lives. And so I want, I want to share with you some things uh, this morning. There was a portion of Scripture that the Lord really began to speak to me out of in Psalm 78. I'm going to read it to you and then I'll give you the backstory. okay? This is a, a psalm, and it's actually Asaph, who was one of David's lead worshipers at the time of David. And so he's, he wrote a number of the, the psalms. If you read through, you'll see a number of the psalms, Psalm 50, and there were some of the other psalms and through the 70s. That's why I like Asaph. He's a man of the 70s. <laughs> Never thought of that before, but it's pretty good. Um, anyway to get back to the word. So I'm going to read to you verses 9 through 12. It said, The warriors of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turned their backs and fled on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant and refused to live by his instructions. They forgot what he had done, the great wonders that he had shown them, the miracles he did for their ancestors on the plain of Zoan in the land of Egypt. So here's the backstory of this. After the death of Solomon, the nation of Israel split because of a division and all this. And, um, and so 10 tribes went to the north and two tribes went to the south. Now, the, the capital of the northern nation of Israel was Shiloh. Jerusalem was the capital of the southern. And so uh, the ark of the presence of God, the ark of God, the, the, the ark of the tabernacle, not to be mixed up with Noah's ark. Okay, this was the ark. This was the box. But you remember Charlton Heston and the Ten Commandments. And you know, there's people that actually think Charlton Heston was Moses. You talk about Moses. Oh, Charlton Heston. Okay. So anyway, there was the Ark of the Presence. And it was in Shiloh for almost 400 years is where it resided, where the presence of God was. And so uh, northern Israel, the ten tribes get into a battle, get into a, 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 um, a huge battle with the Philistines. And things weren't working out for the northern kingdom because they had gotten into some rebellion and, and things. And God was kind of like drawing his hand off of them. And, and so they were losing in the battle. And then somebody comes up with a great idea. Well, let's go have the ark brought from Shiloh down here to where the battle is, and we'll have the presence of God in our midst of us, and surely then we will win. So they do that. Now, the Ephraimites, where they come in, is that the, the, the tribe of Ephraim was given the responsibility to protect and watch over the ark of the covenant. That was their responsibility. And so they come down with the ark to the battle, and things don't turn around, and the battle gets worse. And what did they do? The Ephraims, who the, the scripture tells us that they were men of war, they were trained with, with, with bows and arrows, meaning that they were great warriors, they fled. In the time of the battle, when things got heated, they took off and left the presence of God, and then it gets captured by the Philistines, and 
in that whole story. You can see some of this. You'll see this account in 1 Samuel chapter 4. And then if you go into 1 Kings and 1 Chronicles, you can see more of this story that I'm not going to get into. But here's one of the critical things. So they get into this difficult time. They get into this trying time. We're living in some trying times. All right. They said they did not keep God's covenant. And they refused to live by his instructions. See, in the heat of trying times and troubled times, that's when you need to bear down more and understand this is how we're going to live. This is how I'm going to live, okay? I'm not going to be moved from this. No matter what's going on, I am not going to move off of what I know and who I know God is and how I know God wants me to live. That's so critical. But it says this, they forgot what he had done. I think one of the greatest dangers that we're living in today is not COVID-19. I think it's forgetfulness. Because I see way too many Christians forgetting, at least acting like they're forgetting who God is and what he has done. They're forgetting that he's a God of covenant. And you know what that means? That means that God's never going to leave you nor forsake you. He's not going to abandon you. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how bad you get, God's not going to leave you. Now, we can leave God, but God's never going to leave us. And see, in this relationship, a lot of times I, I see people because most of our relationships that we have here on earth are emotional-based. Emotion. I like you, you like me. Okay? That's good. But what happens when, I, you know, something difficult... Pastor Sean and I, so I, you know, he's, he's a Kansas City Chiefs fan. I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. Don't stone me. I know where amongst who I am. But let's just say that. And I was like, well, Packers are greater. But no, I mean, and all of a sudden, what a, our relationship gets into conflict. And what Sean doesn't like me anymore, which I cannot understand how that could happen. But he doesn't like me because I'm a Packers fan. What, that's an emotion. How many of you are married? You understand what I'm talking about. There are times that we don't like each other, right? There's times that husbands, I know this is really going to, you know, probably be a great awakening for you. There's times your wife doesn't like you. <laughs> I was just waiting for one. Thank you, dear. Thank you, dear. Lord, pour out a double portion of blessing on that. There's time. What? But, but what is that? That's emotion. We base that off of emotion. Guess what? God has emotions, but God, God's basis of relationship with us isn't on emotions. It's on his covenant. God will never abandon his covenant. God will never turn his back on his covenant. In fact, he said, for me to do that, the sun and the moon would have to disappear. The earth would have to be obliterated, God said, before I would, not, before I would abandon the covenant that I have with these people. So what's that mean? It means we would be non-existent, so there would be no one for God to have a covenant with. But as long as the sun and the moon rise, that's why you ought to rejoice every morning when the sun comes up. And some of you that are under 20, it does come up in the morning. You know, that's, you know. 
And so he, he said, Kevin, we, need, we have to be careful of forgetting. We have to be careful of forgetting his promises, what are God's promises to us. God's faithfulness, how about that? The scriptures say that God is faithful to what? Every generation. It doesn't mean God didn't say, I'm going to be faithful to every generation, except for 2020, that year of COVID. I'm going to skip that one and not be faithful that year. Because that's just too challenging. All that. No, God said he would be faithful to every generation, every time. I don't know about you, but that puts hope in me. Even the message, you know, there's, I spent five years pastoring in South Dakota, five years of blood, sweat, and tears. I quit the ministry more times those five years than ever in my life. I never quit the call once, but I quit the ministry many times. It was difficult. It was challenging. But you know what? I came away from there. Five years, I came away with this set deep within me, immovable for my life. God is faithful. I saw God be faithful time and time and time again, and I don't have time to tell you. I could tell you story after story after story. And those five years of how God was faithful, supernaturally faithful, Beyond my expectation, faithful. Gooder than good, faithful. God is faithful. And see, that's one of the things that we need to remind ourselves through this time that we cannot forget God's faithful. Even though whatever it is, whatever the situation that this year has brought into your life, and it may be very challenging, may be devastating, but I'm here to tell you that God is faithful. If you won't quit, you will see the faithfulness of God. The psalmist said this, I would have died if I had not believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. See, that's, the, well, that's what hope is. What is it? Hope expects the best. Hope expects to see the goodness of God in the midst of everything else that is saying that he shouldn't be good, that this shouldn't be good. And that's what, in the bearers of hope, that's what we have to tell people. I'm not, I, know, I know it's been tough, I know it's, but I'm telling you, it's going to be good. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be good. Begin to expect the best. Begin to expect, quit believing CNN, Fox News, all of those. Quit, believe, get, your, get yourself into the word of God and get reminded of what he has said to you. Because that's the truth that will sustain you. That is what will produce faith and hope in your lives. So remember, before you can upload something, you have to download something. We're going to go into Romans chapter 5. There's five verses I want to share with you and talk about this because the, the apostle Paul begins to share with us this connection and how, how we strengthen or restore hope into our lives. He starts out with this in verse 1. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us, and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. I want to remind my wife of that one. Um, <laughs> This means we can now, <laughs> it's not, she thinks I'm really good now, but 
I'm going to say, well, God says I'm flawless. She's not going to buy that one, but anyway. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us, has done for us. What is that? My wife's a language arts teacher, has done, she tells me, is what? Past. It's already been done. It's already been completed. These are the things that he's done that he's not going to change from. Our faith guarantees us access into this marvelous kindness. I love the way that this is. It's mar- not just his kind. This is like kind of like that good or good or good or good or whatever it is, you know. I'll have to text you and get the title of that message again before you write it. Or either you write it, send it to me, and then I'll go. Okay. Marvelous kindness. Whoa, this has given us perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. Now look at verse 3. But that's not all. Even in times of trouble. Even in times of trouble. Even in years like 2020. We have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. Anybody had any pressure this year? Am I the only one? I've had a very pressuring year. Very demanding pressuring year. Okay? Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us Patient endurance. See, I've learned something. Is that pressure will produce something in my life. Jesus said this. Narrow and difficult is the way that leads to life. Wide and easy is the way that leads to destruction. See, we want the easy life, don't we? We want always to be easy and everything. But that doesn't develop anything in us. It's It's not putting anything in us that gives us stability. Wide and easy is the road that leads to destruction. But Jesus said, narrow and difficult is the way that leads to life. Years ago, I used to say this. Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. I changed that a number of years ago. Now I say, Jesus loves you and has a difficult plan for your life. Well, that, that encourages everybody, right? But it's, 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 it's really more scriptural just from what I, scripture I shared with you is out of Matthew 7. It is, we, we've got to get beyond the point where we, we think that when we become Christians or when we're Christians, we'll never have any challenges, we'll never have any pressures. That's not true. Jesus said this, in this world you'll have tribulation. James said this, count it all joy when you enter into what various trials. Why did they have to put those scriptures in there? Because God knew for us to advance the kingdom of God, there would be resistance. And the only way that you can overcome resistance is with strength, with hope, with stability in your life. Otherwise, you'll succumb. Otherwise, you'll be like the Ephraimites who, in the time of stress and trouble and challenges, what? Fled and left the presence of God. They left, they lost God. Stop and think about that. They lost God. 
How would you like to have that in your legacy? Yeah, I lost God. Mary and Joseph had to deal with that. They lost Jesus. Go to Jerusalem for the, you know, Passover. They go back home and they thought he was with, you know, everybody. And they find out, you know, travel several days. And I go, whoa, we lost Jesus. Yikes. You see Mary writing that in her daily journal. Today, we lost the Savior of the world. It can happen, you know. When I was pastoring up in Iowa, I had a couple in the church that had 12 kids. Man, if they would social distance today, they would be from wall to wall in here. And so uh, they always had to bring two vehicles to church because they had 12 kids, you know. Dad brought the Suburban and Mom brought the van. And, you know, they kind of split the crowd up and come in. And so one day after church, they went to the restaurant and uh, ate and got home and uh, just had gotten home, hadn't been there for a while. And the restaurant called him and said, um, you left your baby here? Thank God it was a small, you know, it was a town of 6,000. So like everybody kind of knew everybody. And because uh, dad thought mom took the baby, mom thought dad's group took the baby and could, could you imagine the waitress thinking, whoa, what a tip? <laughs> so they lost. See, what, what we're criti- which could be critical today, if we're not careful, we could lose the presence of God in our lives. I don't know about you, but I, the legacy that I, I, I don't want to leave is one that, at least in my time here in the earth, we lost the presence of God. You know, at the time of, of, of Samuel and Eli and Samuel coming to serve Eli and all of that, it says this, that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. I don't want that to be my legacy in my own personal life and in my time, in my generation. I do not want the legacy of the word of the Lord was rare in those days. The presence of God was very minimal in those days or non-existent. That's not the legacy that I think, that, that I believe none of us in this room want to leave, right? And so Paul goes on to say, but that's not, even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop us, develop in us patient endurance. And patient endurance will refine our character and proven character leads us back to hope and this Hope is not a disappointing fantasy. It's not an unjustified, oh, well, no. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's an expectancy that's set within us. It's immovable. So Paul uses these words. He uses this word that, uh, that the trouble will bring to us patient endurance. Endurance. What is endurance? Endurance is the characteristic of a person who has not swerved from their deliberate purpose and their loyalty to faith. Don't let this time shake you from your purpose or your faith. Fix in your heart right now 
that this is who I'm going to be. This is what God's called me to be. This is who, this is the way I've been living. And just because we're in this year doesn't mean I'm going to be shaken from, I'm going to be moved from that. More than anything, I'm going to be more resolute this year to be stronger in my faith, to be stronger in my hope, to be stronger in my purpose. See, godly, you don't come into godliness unintentionally and passively. Godliness is entered through intentionality and militancy. You've got to be militant at times about the things of God. You've got to just get downright militant. Say, no, this is, the, this is who I am. This is the way I'm going to live. And I'm not going that direction. And that's what we need to fix in our hearts. The word character means a revealer of the values and the trustworthiness. And see, this all comes out of pressure. Pressure is a great revealer. You know that? Pressure is a great revealer. It reveals the heart. It reveals who we really are. It reveals really what our values are at. When things are good, we can kind of go along and we can kind of cover some things up and everything. But when pressure comes, what it removes all of the facades and everything and the reality comes out. Who are you really? Who are you really? See, when the, when the pressure comes and it's like, okay, uh, I really don't like you. But here's the thing, but I really do love you. You know, there's times that I don't like my wife, my wife doesn't like me, but there's never a nanosecond I don't love that woman with every ounce of my being. And that's the revealer. That's the revealer. See, what's happening right now is a lot of things are being revealed to us, and that's good. We're finding ourselves, why am, why am, I, why am I thinking this way? Why am I, what is it? It's, it's a revealer, it's, it's, and what it's doing is telling us things that we need to work on. Oh, I need to strengthen up in that area of my life. I need to focus more on that. I need to, I need to, to search out in, in this book and find out what God says about that area of my life, about what it is to be a, a person of stability and faith and encouragement and hope. Okay? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this with you. And then we're going to be done. How about that? Woohoo! That'll just perked up your hope right there, right? Expect the best. This long-winded preacher is going to quit. In Romans chapter four, verse eighteen, Paul uses two words. He uses a play on words, and he says this. He's speaking about Abraham, and he says, "In hope." He, Abraham, believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he has been told, so shall your offspring be. Paul said, in hope, he believed against hope. It was a play on words that he did. 
But he uses really two really definitions of this word. I want to give it to you. The first, hope, hope number one. In hope, he, Abraham, believed. That's the expectation of obtaining a desire that you haven't yet got. But there's a hope. You have an expectation. It's a, it's a humorous, kind of a funny sounding, but kind of a, you can really play with it, a word in the Greek. It's called hoopamoni. Cheerful expectancy. See, some of you need some hoopamoni in your life. And all the women say, no, I just need more money. No, you need some more hoopamoni in your life. Cheerful expectancy. So he said in this, in this expectation, this place of expectation of something that I am going to possess, it's not here, but it's, I have a, an expectation that it is mine. Okay? He said with that, he said, is what you combat the other hope with, which is human and reasoning for hope being gone. So people this year go, why should we be excited about anything? What is that? That's human reasoning. We begin to reason with our minds. Of, 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 and, and sometimes you think, well, I know the word of God says this, but this is what we're living in. This is the challenges that I'm having. This is what I'm seeing. This is what the reports are saying. What is it? That's the human reasoning that you have to be careful of. Doesn't invert those and begin to be the, what supersedes the expectation that you have from the promises of God. Right? So make sure you get the right hope in the right place in your life. Amen? You good with that? Pastor Sean, come up here if you would, please. We're going to tag team. Just for, Actually, I'm just going to let him share what you just shared at the end of the last service. That was so good about hope deferred. Sure. You didn't, even, you didn't even need me to come here today. Listen to this. I was just reminded of the first service uh, about a scripture that a lot of times we, we share, and it's, it's the scripture, I believe it's out of Proverbs, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And a lot of times I hear people say that scripture, and they'll say, well, my hope is deferred because I don't have what I hope. So I, I, I don't have hope anymore because I don't have what I want. But, but hope deferred, it's not that, it's not that our, what we want is deferred and so that causes us to lose, lose hope. It's that our hope is actually deferred. See, in a sense, hope can only exist when you don't have what you want. And when you don't have what you want, that's when hope can supernaturally come. Because if you have what you hope for, you don't need hope to have it anymore. And so, so many, right now, I believe there's so many people right now that feel like, oh, I can't have hope because I don't have what I hope for. And I don't have what I want, so I can't have hope. But the fact of the matter is, this is the only time you can have hope, yeah. is in a time like this. And that's why I believe the word that Pastor Mike is sharing right now is so timely for us right now. Because there's so many people right now, so many of us that we see things that we don't have yet, maybe things that, you know, maybe something that it's a healing or a marriage that needs restored, all these types of things, and we think, well, hope deferred makes the heart sick, and since I don't have it, my heart is sick. No, now is the time to invite supernatural hope. Now is the time when the supernatural hope of a living God, an all-powerful God, can come rushing in and sustain you in a way that nothing else can. But it's an invitation. 
It's an invitation to have, you know, we can walk away from that. We can be like the Ephraimites. We can walk away from that instead of inviting the presence of God to come in a time like this. Pastor Mike, would you pray and close this out? Lord, thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, today that you, I really believe that you're revealing things to everybody in this room in some magnitude, in some level, in some depth. And I pray in the days to come that, Holy Spirit, you will remind them, not so much of my words, but what it was that you revealed through them, my words into their hearts, into their lives. I thank you that they will walk as a people of hope. They will walk with such a a calm and a resolve in their lives that when they're amongst friends that maybe aren't believers or when they're at work or in their professions and and all their different places that they're at, I I thank you that there would just be this peace because they are a people of hope. There's this peace then that comes, as Colossians 3.15 says, a peace that just begins to rule in their hearts. I thank you that, that we, people of God, are a people of peace. We have a peace. In the midst of a, a time where many people are in chaos and anxiety and everything, we walk in this hope and this peace. Because of this, Jesus, we're going to resolve. We're going to set within our hearts today. We're going to make a commitment right now, today, to expect the best. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's stand up today and get ready to worship God one more time. Can we give Pastor Mike a big hand for sharing that word with us today? We're getting ready to to sing a song. Don't just sing the words, make it a declaration that we're going to remember who God is. We're gonna remember his faithfulness to every generation. And that includes us right now, right here.